Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everyone. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We are talking Georgia, uh, not Louisiana Monroe, and just sort of like the state of things in general. Um, We've had a few days to take in the loss a bit. Um, and yeah, it, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm, I'm drinking a small, small glass of bourbon, but, um, I'm not going to talk about that as my, what I'm drinking. Uh, I went to Brazil, uh, for the part of the week last week. And, um, I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I drank something called a caparinha, and I drank too many caparinhas. Uh, caparinha is a I'm trying to think about like how to describe it. Uh, it's not terribly far off from a mojito, right? Yeah, 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 kind of. Uh, it actually uses um, lemons, not limes, despite the fact that when you look at it, there the the fruit is always green. Uh, it is like a okay, so so it's funny because I'm I'm looking at the direction or I'm looking at the uh, at the like recipe, and they all say lime, uh, so. Maybe it was lost in translation, but the Brazilian who explained the drink to me said that they don't use limes. They use a lemon that is not, uh, I guess, ripened to be uh, yellow yet and is green. Uh, and so it's confused with limes, which I thought it's was probably interesting. More, probably more what? tart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it was. It was uh, relatively tart. Uh, but yeah, it looks like it. Okay, so the ingredients are kashaka, which is a... It, it, I don't know, just a liqueur that they have. Uh, it, it, it's a clear drink. Um, it kind of has some bitterness to it. Uh, but yeah, it's that uh, brown sugar and lime. Or gosh, I said lime. Lemon and lemon juice. Uh and yeah, very sweet, uh, very good. Uh, they they hide the alcohol content pretty well, which can sneak up on you a bit. Yeah, dude, I bet. So that's super cool. You got to go, and you were there uh, during the George game, right? I was. I went to a an Irish pub uh, and watched the first three point two quarters of the Georgia game, and then decided that since it was after midnight in Brazil time, that instead of watching the horror of the fourth quarter, I would watch a band sing uh, American rock uh, and a huge, huge group of Brazilians sing every word along with all of the songs. Uh, and it was a blast and a much better choice than watching the remainder of the game. Hell yeah. Uh, Ole Miss fans at, at home, all, all 11 of you. Um, if you've never watched 
an oldest football game in a, in a foreign country or on a cruise ship out in the middle of the ocean or just somewhere where no one other than you gives a crap. Do it once. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it so good for like perspective and everything? (laughs) It really is. You know, I actually had a moment where I was like, okay, I'm wearing, I'm wearing an Ole Miss shirt and, uh, the only way other than like VPN and all that to watch this game from Sao Paulo, which is a city of 24 million people is to come to this one bar. So if there are Ole Miss fans in the city of Sao Paulo who are interested in watching this game, they will be at the bar. Guess who wasn't there? Any other Ole Miss fans, but tons and tons of people who did not care whatsoever about the game. Hell yes. That's <laughs> it really it was fun is because you could just throw it away, right? Like 52 to uh, 52 to zero or whatever the freaking score was at the end. Like eh, no one else of this huge group of people even knows, <laughs> yeah. even knows that's what happened. <clears throat> yeah, definitely a, a weird, enlightening, <laughs> very, very different feeling. If you're just so used to like really, you know, bearing down on every college football Saturday living in the, the deep South, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm moving on. You probably saw a little bit more of the game than, than I did. I got uh, pulled into a, a social obligation. I've tried to watch as many highlights as I can, but I mean, um, don't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think the main takeaway from this game is kind of one of, philosophy and one of our like kind of place as a program rather than the specifics of the game. Uh, Cause I mean, the game just got way out of hand, even though, you know, the, we know the team is good this year. They're, they're super experienced. They've overcome adversity in a bunch of other games, but this one's just like, there wasn't any, any real opportunity after the first couple of uh, offensive drives for, for anything. Yeah. So, you know, um, one of the recurring themes that has come up on the podcast is how um, the defense is a lot of veteran players uh, who are, you know, often are usually kind of in the right place. It, you know, it's schemed well, relatively well, all that sort of thing. Um, I actually don't want to harp too much on the coaching in this game uh, because even if it mattered, which I guess it did, uh, Ole Miss wasn't winning this game with great coaching. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that this, to me, is the first game. I guess LSU. So LSU was Jaden Daniels being crazy good and having two wide receivers who are, you know, top two round picks. <clears throat> this, to me, was the first game where the defense has faced an offense that just like, it doesn't matter if they, you know, are veteran players who are reliable or whatever, like they're going to get steamrolled by a really talented team. And, uh, you know, they were just abused and I'm not just, just picking on the defense, like the offense, once Jaden Williams went down, when Micah Pettis was already out, like that was it. They, they couldn't do anything. And uh, the defense 
couldn't stop Georgia. Georgia rushed for over eight yards per carry in the whole game. And they don't even have a scrambling quarterback to, like, pad the stats, you know? Oh, yeah, just straight handoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, the the takeaway from this game, you know, in a, a zoomed-out perspective is maybe Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss have kind of found the ceiling of the heavy portal strategy. Mm-hmm. Um because if you're if you're going to get such a large number of contributors from the portal, they can't all be the top three players at their position or whatever, and you can't you know break open the bank account on every single one of them. And so, you know, we've done a great job of playing Moneyball, um, getting getting a lot out of guys from smaller schools, guys that that aren't super heavily recruited and and really balancing needs and budget and stuff like that. But, but there's a ceiling to how well that can work. Right. Uh, if, if all of your guys that you're getting are, are probably either former two or three stars or four or five stars that have failed out of another institution, you know, like there's mm-hmm. a, a ceiling to what you can achieve uh, with that kind of intake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair to say. I also think that, I mean, maybe this is like a little bit of a defeatist attitude. Hopefully you'll understand. Like, it'll be good when Ole Miss doesn't play Georgia. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. Like, o- yeah. Ole Miss plays Georgia next year again and probably won't lose 52-17. to 17, But, uh, you know, it- it'll be a hard game <laughs> to-, to win. <laughs> Uh, but hopefully Georgia does not become some sort of weird recurring opponent for the next 10 years for Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, college football um, is, is cyclical. The SEC is cyclical. You know, you if you're in the mid-90s, you know, to late-90s, you don't want Florida on your schedule, you know. Um, now you you definitely don't want Georgia. You know you haven't wanted Alabama for the last I don't know fifteen years now. But um, but yeah, Georgia is just like uh, snake eyes that you roll when you uh, do scheduling in the SEC. Like <laughs> it's just yeah. the the hardest opponent you can have generally. Yeah, and I think that there's a tendency to do the transitive property thing. Like oh well, you know Vanderbilt put up more of a fight against Georgia and it's like, eh, I mean, okay, whatever. Like we beat Vanderbilt a million to seven. So let's not, you know, try to do that. Like sometimes it just weird things happen and sometimes teams are motivated and sometimes they're not. And that Georgia team was motivated. Yeah. It's, it's hard to stay motivated through a 12 game schedule, an SEC championship game, and then two playoff games. Um, And if you're Georgia, you don't, have to be. Um, but well, this is the last, you know, top 10 matchup or the only 10 top 10 matchup, I guess, um, on the schedule for them this year. So like how easy was it for them to have this game circled? Um, right. and you know, like not that they were probably worried about losing, but you, you have to get up for some games on your schedule, even if you're Georgia, um, and, and this is a pretty easy one to circle for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, they well, they they still play Tennessee and Alabama, so those those two will be interesting games. Oh, uh, I did not know they had Alabama left in the schedule. I forgot. Well, I mean, oh, in the in championship the, game. In the championship game, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they're going to take care of business. I, I I don't know. I think so too. I think so too. Um, but I mean, it's not a game that they can sleepwalk through. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, Georgia is very talented. I think that, you know, your point about building through the portal is an interesting one. Um, I think that, I think that, you know, what, what seems likely to me is that you build, you find your superstars in high school recruiting and maybe like, you know, try to hit on finding a star player like a Trey Harris, you know, in the portal, but you're not going to like, to me, the portal is best used for like filling holes that you don't currently have and finding a player who's like going to be pretty good there uh, from a smaller school, uh, but not somebody that necessarily like you should be able to build your defense or offense around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, probably leading into the season, the number of guys that, you know, the number of starters and contributors that we've gotten from the portal versus from high school at this point is staggering. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's, I think Kiffin clearly recognizes that is a long-term issue. And this recruiting class is hopefully going to res- resolve a lot of those issues. It's, it's very deep. It's very top heavy. It's very defense and defensive line heavy. It's, it's a really good foundational class, I think for some sustained success, but um, you know, it's got to be followed by smart portal activity. And then it's got to be followed by, you know, not having a, a super letdown class in 2025 and moving forward. But but yeah, it's you know we're we're in a program building phase still, um, and in the SEC you can be in a program building phase and still be like a top fifteen kind of program, and that's the kind of weird position that that Ole Miss is in right now. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, you know, <clears throat> it would be nice if next season Georgia had not been on the schedule uh, with Alabama rolling off. Uh, you know, beating Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, and Florida, d- doing well enough to be able to finish in the top 12 next year. It's going to be hard. Um, but, you know, that's that's okay. It's hard to make the playoff. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that I, I did want to talk about the stat that I mentioned about how Georgia ran for 8.6 yards per carry. Uh so these are the the almost the almost rushing defense has been pretty solid this season, which is mm-hmm. preposterous to say when you hear that. These are the other SEC games: Alabama two and a half yards per carry, two point five yards per carry allowed. LSU six. Jaden Daniels, you know, was had like a fifty-five yard run or something like that that kind of helped them out a good bit there. But six, you know, that's not good. Arkansas one point two yards per carry against Ole Miss. Auburn 3.9, Vanderbilt 3.8, AM 4.2, Georgia 8.6. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I think it's just a weird outlier by a great team that had a good game plan and executed it well. Yeah. And 
even in, in modern college football with like all the money that's poured into it and, and all the experience that these guys have, there's still teams that just know what they're doing and teams that clearly are just, you know, discombobulated, especially on offense. And I think we maybe we're kind of lucky to see a couple of those teams this year. We've, we've played obviously some, some quality teams, but you know, some, some teams like Arkansas, just like totally out of sorts on offense, even though they have a decent amount of talent. Um, mm. And, you know, when you encounter a team like that, sometimes it's possible to just totally dominate on defense like that just because of their ineptitude, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to talk about, does this loss change your perceptions about the year? For, for um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask not a follow-up question yet. I'll, I'll let you answer that and then we can talk about a follow-up. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd say it was definitely frustrating kind of, like I said, I was able to half follow and then the, the kind of emotional roller coaster from watching the first quarter as the scores progressed and I'm like, wow, we are, we are on serve. We're ahead, you know, to, mm-hmm. to just getting out of hand so fast. Um, that was a little bit difficult to grapple with, but then like when you, when you watch the highlights and stuff, it, it wasn't like we put up this totally shameful performance or, or anything. I mean, it just, if just kind of got beat on the margins by a, a more talented team um, in, in every phase of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think 52, uh, 17, obviously that sucks. If it had been 52, 38, do you think you would have felt very different? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, that's really ex- exchanging punches for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, I, like I said, I didn't see every drive, didn't see every play. So I don't know how far away we were from that. If it's, if it's like we had so many chances and just couldn't take advantage of them or just had like, it was not of, like that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, that certainly would, would have changed things a lot. I mean, like I said, the feeling when it was what, 14, 14 or whatever, was like, all right, this is this is going to be a, a four quarter game, uh, and then it became like a one and three quarters quarter game or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason I ask that about the uh, if if it was a fourteen point game, would it have changed anything? Um, if we think about like the year, so in terms of accomplishing goals. It doesn't really matter. Like, if, if Ole Miss lost by 14, it's not like it was somehow going to creep into the playoff discussion or something like that, right? Right. And if I were worried about the state game, then maybe, uh, you know, I would feel more confident about it with a 14-point with a loss to Georgia than a billion-point loss to Georgia. But, like, I kind of... I'm sure this is going to bite me, but I, I'm not worried about the state game at all. And I'm certainly not worried about Louisiana Monroe. Um, and so it doesn't really like, it's not, it's not a debilitating, excuse me, debilitating. It's not a, 
it's not a <laughs> debilitating loss in the way that like alters my perspective on like the way the rest of the season will play out. And I don't think, and, and I guess because of that, like the margin of loss kind of doesn't really matter. Now it speaks a little bit to like the potential difference that this program has to bridge to be able to contend with like a really hard playing elite program and everything. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of a discussion for another day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think if it changes anything for me, it makes me more apprehensive about a potential bowl matchup. Whereas yeah. like coming into this game, I was like, yeah, let's, let's play Texas or Washington mm-hmm. or whoever in a, in a bowl game, Penn state. But then I was like, uh, maybe those guys have a lot more horses than, than we do too. And we just don't know it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I um, hate to have another like, TCU 2014 situation, you know? Yeah. Oh gosh. I was there. Mm -hmm. That was was not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So do we still like Pete Golding? I do. Sure. I mean, I like him. I don't know. I, I like the scheme better than the three, two, six still. I I love what he's done from a recruiting standpoint. I don't I don't think you can judge him on really two bad games um, in a year. You, you'd, you'd call LSU LSU a bad game, even even with Jaden yeah. Daniels like incredible individual effort. Um, you'd still call that a, a bad game, and, and this sure. is certainly a terrible game. But uh, a lot of better than expected results, and you know what what more can you ask for when? not only changing coordinators, but also trying to really change personnel, change scheme. You know, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I assume that you're also with me uh, about 10 and two for a regular season. Yeah. And how about that, man? We were both like, at eight and four to start the season, I was like teetering between eight and four and nine and three. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the bowl matchup will depend. We'll, you know, we'll figure out uh, what we predict when we figure out who we're playing uh, and whether Ole Miss is motivated. I think that that will matter a lot and we'll probably see in the egg bowl, whether Ole Miss is motivated or not. Yeah. What do you think that motivation depends on? What do you think like is the main factor there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they didn't accomplish goals they wanted to. I wonder though whether like some the, the number of portal players at Ole Miss who came from you know much worse programs overall or whatever. Uh maybe still feel motivation to play in like a huge bowl game against, you know, a top 25 team and, and win. Um, This team hasn't had trouble getting up. I mean, it's funny to say that, like they just got boat raced against Georgia, but like, I don't think that was a motivation issue. Um, You know, they didn't have trouble recovering from the Alabama loss uh, and gutted out some tough wins uh, against lesser opponents, but still, you know, managed to make them tough. I don't know. I, I'm not really concerned about that. Um, but again, like we'll, we'll know more 
after the Egg Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the main factors will be how healthy Jackson Dart is, weirdly, mm-hmm. because I think I think if he can get out there at all, Kiffin is going to play them, him, even with Spencer Sanders uh, right there. Yeah. Um, but but if you play Jackson Dart on a bum leg or shoulder or whatever it is in this case, um, you know, definitely is going to hamper the offense a little bit. Um, and, you know, does, does that have kind of a cascade effect on, you know, the motivation of the team as a whole? So I don't know. Um, I would really love to see Sanders and, and Walker Howard play a ton against ULM and maybe even just give Jackson Dart the week off. I I don't think Kiffin is going to do that because he's very stubborn in his like play 40 players uh, philosophy, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, I am. Um, I, I don't mind. Like I, I would like for him not to play. I'd like for Jackson Dart not to play. Um, I would prefer to see actually Walker Howard a lot more than, than Spencer Sanders. Um, I recognize that, you know, allegedly uh, the collective paid Spencer Sanders a lot of money to not play very much. Uh, but Spencer Sanders is not going to be on the team next year. And so, um, you know, I I think it's fine for him to play, to start, uh, you know, get some film for scouts and all that sort of stuff. But like, let's see. And let's see Walker Howard. Let's see Austin Simmons. You know, let's, let's, let's let him play. I mean, he can play in every game from here on out and still redshirt. So yeah, that would be cool if we could kind of get a glimpse yeah, of some of those can. guys. Yeah. It'd definitely be uh, an interesting footnote for Simmons to play given that he's still probably like 17. Right. <laughs> I think he's 18. Really? Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's very young. Um, but yeah, I think you're 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 right about wanting to see Howard. I mean, they're they're definitely I think people who believe that that Howard when, you know, he's matured as a player will be an upgrade over Dart. Um mm-hmm. has a, a, a higher ceiling as just a passer. Um so it would be interesting to see him, but but yeah, I guess it depends on whether Lane thinks Spencer Sanders level of buy-in. Uh, warrants, you know, a, a start or even a, full, you know, close to a full game or something like that. Um, again, never, never really know what Lane's going to do uh, with, <laughs> in that kind of situation, but you really hope he's not just going to trot Jackson Dart out there to get, you know, pot shots on him from Sunbelt defensive lineman for the entire first half, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I guess we'll see on Saturday. Um, and then we'll race to have a quick podcast before Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. or the egg bowl. Yeah. Um, notably if you've, uh, skillfully avoided the news, uh, Zach Arnett has been fired as Mississippi state's head coach. Yes, he has. Um, We will will get into that more next week. Yeah. Uh, I'm signing off here. All right. And we'll uh we'll see you next week.